with James Malvani, the founder of podcast.co, a platform where you can create your own podcast. James, good to have you. Thanks, Sergey. How's it going? Not bad. You know, we're here in Toronto. You're in the UK. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's lovely to be here. Great to, have, uh, great to be here as well. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about, obviously, podcast production today. Mm. Tell me about your, your thoughts around just starting a show and just the whole process of building the listeners and just growing it because it's, uh, I think there are some misconceptions there that uh, people who might be thinking about starting a show have. Yeah, I think to start off with, um, it's always good to start with your strategy. You know, like before you actually get into actually creating a podcast, have a think about what you're going to be creating, who your audience is going to be. That's really crucial, actually understanding your audience and, and what the purpose of your podcast is. You know, are you creating a podcast to generate more leads to your business? Are you creating it to educate your market or build better connections with your existing customers? Or are you doing it as you know, fun and you're trying to build an audience? Uh, you Maybe you have a specific interest you want to create a podcast about, I don't know, history or seems to be millions of people starting podcasts about crime and stuff like that now. Um, but ultimately, I think having and starting a strategy, starting with a, a strategy and thinking about, you know, your audience, what, do you, what is your content going to look like in six months time? Uh, don't just think about the first episode or the first five episodes, but think about, you know, how, how are you going to have longevity in that podcast? And what are you going to be bringing to the table, which is new and exciting to your listeners each time? Hmm. Makes, a, makes a lot of sense. Having just that, then I, uh, thinking an idea of how this whole thing's going to go. I know a lot of people have doubts or uh, they have certain misunderstandings about the fact that podcasts can bring revenue and bring opportunities, especially mm -hmm. if it's around business or maybe somebody is a consultant. They're like, well, why would I waste my time doing all this production and not get any effectively leads? I know you talked about on LinkedIn ways to generate opportunities from a podcast and it doesn't necessarily have to be leads. What have you seen that works well and how do you approach this whole podcast in terms of gaining more business or gaining more opportunities for your career? Well, there's a common thing that people do, which is getting great guests on. Okay. So if you have a podcast that involves you interviewing other people, um, quite often as a business development tool, it can be really effective because you're actually building relationships with people towards the top of companies. So it might be, you know, C-level executives uh, or founders, um, and generally speaking, you know, a lot of the time you'll approach them and say, oh, you know, I want to speak to this person. And the answer is automatically going to be no. If you turn around to a company and say, you know, I'd like to interview this person for my podcast, suddenly they're, they're interested, you know. So it's a way to get in touch with people, you know, in high up positions who otherwise you might be out of reach. You know, don't go in for the sales pitch straight away, but it's a great way of building relationships with those people. You'll have their direct email address. You'll have their direct contact uh, number. So after they've been a guest on your podcast, you could always use that as an opportunity to sort of further progress um, a business opportunity with that company. Um, the other way to look at podcasts is uh, as a lead generation tool. Like you don't have to be running adverts. You know, there's annoying 30 second spots every mm -hmm. 20 minutes throughout your podcast. You can run a podcast as a business, uh, you know, as an extension of your existing marketing mix. So it might be, you know, you have your Twitter account, you have a YouTube channel and you're pushing out content regularly via these channels. It's just another way of communicating with potential prospects and also communicating with your customers too and making sure that they're happy. Um, there's various different ways that you can approach that. It could either be, you know, just recording internal conversations. I think having conversation is, is such a natural way of communicating. It's much more engaging for people to listen to than just, you know, one person sat in front of a microphone. 
Um, but the other, oh, other ideas you can use is, you know, literally start with common questions, you know, speak to your sales or your customer support, your customer success teams. What are the pain points that customers have when they're coming on board? And create a series that aims to address those common questions. So variety of different use cases. I think mm-hmm. the most important thing, um, you know, if you're going to go into podcasting as part of your business or, or as part of your marketing strategy is that you have a way of effectively measuring your KPI effectively. So look at um, having a call to action at the sort of start and the end of the podcast, maybe have a unique URL in that call to action. So you can track anyone who's typed that in, um, you know, they've come from your podcast or, you know, they've been referred from by listening to the podcast. Are there any other ways you would consider uh, measuring the results? Like type of conversations you had with a guest maybe as a follow-up or, I mean, it probably won't be the hard numbers, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, download numbers are great. Obviously, if you're a niche business or you're working in a specific marketplace, you might not necessarily be expecting to have millions of people listening to your podcast. It might be a few hundred each episode, um, sometimes even less. I think the main thing is that you get it, you get an audience that's really engaged and relevant to what you're trying to achieve. Um, again, you know, if you're using it as a business development tool, you want to try and use it to pitch to people. Um, you know, it can be a, a great tool for doing so. The more guests you speak to, obviously, the more doors and opportunities which will be opened up for you. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily advise just you know using it for that purpose alone, because I do think ultimately you need to be thinking about your audience and trying to generate value for people who are listening to the podcast. But you know that's certainly a, an option. You brought up this good point about asking guests good questions or having good conversations, mm-hmm. addressing the customer pain points. What are some of the ways you think you could? Uh, extract unique points of view or have unique points of view with talking to guests that perhaps they have been on other podcasts. They've done 10 other ones. You Mm -hmm. don't really want to replicate that. What do you do to find the unique point? Well, I think you've got to be a good active listener. Um, So really that's just, you know, when I, when I interview people, I generally have a set of questions, which I will ask um, that guest and they will be tailored specifically to that person. I think avoid asking people the same questions. You know, there are some podcasts where they literally ask people the same five sets of questions or whatever. And likewise, if you're being a guest and you're appearing on other people's podcasts, of course, there's going to be a little bit of repetition. But I think try and keep each episode unique and be responsive to the host questions as well. Um, but yeah, going back to what I was saying about being a good, uh, you know, active listener, that really just means, you know, if you've got someone who is you know you're interviewing on your podcast respond to what they say and don't be afraid to ask them questions and like i think it's easy just to go off completely off on tangents but don't be afraid to ask questions that sort of deviate from the script a little bit um you know again it's it's about be, building that skill as an interviewer you know not everyone naturally has that some people are better than, than others um i always have like a set of fallback questions as well like so if the conversation runs dry there's certain mm. questions that I'll ask people like, you know, for example, it might be the best piece of business advice you'll ever receive or, you know, tell us something interesting that uh, people didn't know about you, you know, just kind of like little icebreaker questions. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that's always a good thing to do as well. Advice to 30 year old self or 20 year old yeah. self. To yeah, yeah, yeah. That, those questions that, you know, most people are quite comfortable answering. They're not too probing, but if you run out of questions or you run out of conversation on the topic that you've planned, you've kind of got some fallbacks. And or you got the shorter episode, <laughs> or you can have a, which isn't a bad thing. Sometimes you know, again, I think people are very fixed on having every episode exactly the same length. I don't think you know you need to have every single episode precisely the same length as long as they're the same kind of ball mark. That's fine. 
What I found difficult sometimes with interviewing, especially guests that are really high energy or really engaged is that drilling deep enough into a specific problem. So you ask a good question and then you you resist the temptation to jump somewhere else. You say, well, how does that work? Well, why is that? And you kind of drill into it versus like kind of go like bounce around uh, so that your episode actually has more depth. I find that to be uh, sometimes a challenge. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, obviously quite often the, the problem with guests and I've had experiences before where sometimes you get a guest who goes, comes on and they're straight away, they're just going for the pitch. You know, they want to just pitch their products or their service or their business. And, you know, I just find that really annoying because, you know, yes, of course, there's an opportunity for you to talk about your own products and services, but don't do it straight away. You know, you need to give some value up front. And, um, you know, I think, again, it's just once you be, I think when you're interviewing someone, sometimes you'll just pick up on certain things they say and you think that sounds really interesting. And if you, if you, it's, it's about that, that skill of saying, right, okay, that's kind of interesting. Let's ask them more about that particular thing, that experience they've had. Or, or that sort of gem of knowledge that they've imparted, like let's dive in a bit deeper there. Do you prefer do pre-interviews, like meet with a guest before the podcast, like 10 minutes, maybe on, on a different day to just understand them a little bit more, or do you do it in one go just before you start rolling? Well, I've done both. I mean, I think sometimes, uh, you know, it's good to have, a, have a, at least a basic understanding of who the guests are gonna be. You know, I'll hold my hands up. There has been a, of the odd occasion, not very frequently, but sometimes I've literally been very last minute um, and I've literally known nothing about that guest. Um, that's not a good position to be in. I think you need to at least have a look at their kind of, their, you know, very minimum look at their LinkedIn profile and see what companies they've been involved with. Um, but also, you know, it, it, I, having a pre-show chat, chat can sometimes be beneficial for both you and the guest. Um, I think sometimes, especially with the guest, if they're not used to appearing on podcasts, if they, if they haven't been through that process before, it can sometimes be a little bit intimidating. So I do think, yeah, sometimes meeting with them before or, um, you know, maybe sending over the list of questions in advance can be useful. You know, it puts them at ease and they'll feel a little more comfortable when they go into the actual interview then. I found the pre-interviews work extremely well, like you just said, with guests who haven't done it enough times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it yeah. works so well. They're so comfortable. The interview you get is amazing mm. after. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the disadvantage to pre-interviews is just time, you know, like I did. Uh, I set myself a challenge to do 30 podcasts in 30 days um, back in kind of May, June time. And I would have never have been able to do that if I spoke to every single person. You know, that would have been 60 conversations, which would have been crazy, right? <laughs> you know, so it, it's and, but I think, you know, as a minimum, just try and have a little conversation before you actually hit the record button. Yeah, just so you've both got an understanding of, you know, each other and, and what, what the content's going to be like for that episode. Do you like... Uh, shorter episodes and more of those focus on volume or do you like longer episodes and do fewer or you'd say it's all contextual i think it depends there's different things for different people and different audiences for me i like shorter episodes and i'm my my personal listening habits are not very consistent like i don't really and the same with tv i find it very difficult to get into like 24 part netflix series i just don't have the time or the intention span so when I listen to podcasts, I'll just listen to different episodes of different podcasts and kind of jump in and out versus just saying, right, I'm going to literally kill this, this 20, like 300 episodes, which have done a start from there. I just don't have the time to do that. So mm -hmm. I might listen to one episode and then I'll miss a couple and then I listen to another. So I think for people like me, you know, obviously having each episode unique is, is good, but then obviously there's, there's quite a lot of uh, podcasts that are based on like series, you know, so you need to listen to the previous episode to have an understanding of what's going on. 
but again, you know, there's just different things for different people. I don't think there's like a consistent, clear answer to that question, really. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of has their own approach. And uh, I think um, a lot of people try to shoot for Joe Rogan style shows where like you really can't because you don't have that massive audience and that brand. Mm -hmm. So like you can't really grow it, right? Like you can't really uh, have a meaningful conversation that somebody's going to listen all the way to about life without yes. having actionable insight. Yeah, I agree. I think you need to, yeah, two hour conversation about with someone is, <laughs> it's, it's kind of quite difficult. I think as a rule of thumb, most podcasts, 20 to 30 minutes, it's a kind of a good amount of time to record for, you know, you're not going into ridiculous amounts of detail about crazy stuff, like you said. Um, but also, you know, you can get enough value in 20 or 30 minutes and also think about the person who's listening's time. What, what are they doing? A lot of people obviously listen to podcasts while they're, you know, in the gym or driving to work or on the bus or the train or whatever it might be. So, you know, making, making it accessible in that respect is, is always good, a good plan. What do you think about growing podcasts? Any things that you think people should do consistently if they have a podcast, obviously they mm -hmm. should be producing episodes consistently. Any yep. other things that should be exploring doing regularly to keep growing it, not in massive ways, but in mm. steady kind of steady, um, step, step by step. Well, I think first of all, make sure that you're making your audience aware when a new episode is released because not everyone is going to be subscribed. Uh, and you know, so, like I mentioned earlier, people like me, I'm subscribed to lots of podcasts and I'll easily miss an episode. So, you know, make sure that you're saying to people, look, there's a new episode out, go and listen to it. Secondly, sell the benefits of why they should listen to it, you know, because there's so much noise out there now. Um, what are they going to learn in that particular episode? And again, some people might find one episode really interesting and the next episode might not be as much interest. So I think that's a good place to start. And lots of people don't seem to do that. They'll just push an episode out and kind of hope for the best. Um, you know, having, there's no sort of secret to promoting or getting momentum. I think people, this is a question I get asked a lot. People will say to me, oh, you know, what's the secret to growing a podcast? Well, there is none. It's kind of just like, you've got to do what everyone else is doing, work really hard, make sure you're being consistent and also make sure your episodes are interestingly interesting enough. And of course it's becoming more and more difficult because there are more people going into podcasting now. So, you know, I think if, if there's going to be a secret more than anything, it's going to be trying to put some unique spin on it that not everyone else is doing or trying to do something that, you know, maybe is a first for your industry because there are still, um, still some industries where there's, you know, there's not a podcast or there's not very many podcasts. So the super, there's more specific, I think the sort of more niche you can be in a sense, the more likelihood you have of succeeding. What do you think about type of posts promoting a show on social media in terms of mm. formats. I know you do beautiful slide decks on LinkedIn there. They yes. stand out. I really like that color at the background. Um, yeah. Do you experiment? Like what, what's some of the things you've seen work well uh, that you would recommend maybe people to explore? Short videos, slide decks, any, any, uh, anything, any things like that? I think looking, well, so for, for, for me, uh, my personal brand is something that I've really been focusing on a lot this year. Um, interestingly at the moment I'm sort of we're producing like a four-part series on personal branding and I don't claim to be an expert you know it's something that I've been learning a lot about um, I've built businesses and built my com company brands very well over the last few years but I've never been really pushing much much content out as James Mulvaney so this is something that I wanted to change um, I think LinkedIn for me has been really successful but for example looking at like Instagram, I'm not doing very well on Instagram. Maybe it's just not right for me. If I was someone who was an expert in, I don't know, health and fitness or uh, designing t-shirts or something, I'm sure Instagram would be a fantastic platform for me, but you know, it's not. So I think it, 
it's about maybe identifying the platforms that are right for you and your audience. You know, again, I'm, I'm enjoying YouTube. I'm getting good results from YouTube um, and making the content linked back to each other. So it's kind of the podcast should really just be one part of your strategy as a whole. So I think you need to be thinking about, you know, what content can you create around that? Also repurposing, like you say, you know, you can easily take a podcast, take quotes out of it. You can turn it into a video. Um, you can turn it into sort of short form videos or audiograms that you can then post on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever platform you like. So yeah, it's just making sure that you're consistent with that. And again, one of the downfalls to it is, you know, it takes a lot of work. If you want to create all this content, you either got to try and outsource it or do it all yourself. Or, or, you know, if you're lucky like me, you might have a team that work with you who can kind of do a lot of the, the stuff for you. Um, but ultimately, it's just about, yeah, the consistency and just, just making sure that you're kind of spreading it across all the platforms. But then I think. Um, I think in terms of building community and getting people engaged, LinkedIn, I've seen good results from. Likewise, as I mentioned, YouTube, I'm getting good comments on the videos. So I think. For example, at the moment, I run a poll every single week on a Thursday on LinkedIn. Mm. Um, generally speaking, they're about podcasting. So it's kind of a good way of getting community talking about certain things. And I think everyone's got an opinion. So if you post a poll, um, it really naturally is just a, an encouragement of an extension of discussion. So people will give their vote on what they think of the, you know, whatever the opinion is. So uh, today's poll was on, you know, do you make money from your podcast? Um, either no, oh, that one. yes, yeah, yeah. So it was either like yes through ad adverts and sponsorship, yes through generating leads, or other. Please tell me. Um, and immediately, you know, you tend to get people commenting saying, "Well, yeah, I'm thinking about making money, but I don't." Or, you know, I, I've found it a great tool to to generate leads to my business. So I think yeah, it's about getting that discussion going. And again, it links back really to your podcast. Um, make sure that you're giving people the opportunity to provide a feedback. I think where podcasting falls down as a medium compared to other platforms is there's not like a clear way of actually encouraging discussion, you know? So you obviously, you know, the, the benefits are you can push it out to all these different platforms. So, you know, you can be on Spotify, you know, Apple, um, Apple podcasts, Google overcast and various other platforms, but there isn't a single way where people can actually provide feedback. So maybe having an email address on your podcast, asking people to communicate or, sending them to a group or sending them to a website where there is an ability to actually discuss is always powerful. I was speaking to VP of content at Drift, uh, this chatbot company, uh, Mark mm. Keelans, and uh, I actually asked him, so what do you think about webinars versus podcasts? And he said, I'm amazed at the fact that podcasts still, after mm. all those years, have no idea how to identify the audience. You don't know yeah. exactly the person, right? So like to your point, you don't know who's listening, but you have to figure, and it's a one-way dialogue. It's not a, it's not a dialogue, it's a monologue. We're just mm. pushing stuff and you don't, can't really engage the audience versus a webinar. I mean, sales tool, of course, it's mm -hmm. very much a demand gen piece, but at least you have a bit of a dialogue with people, you know who they are. So to yeah. your point, like figuring out a way to talk to people on your show or yeah. maybe outside of the show. But again, that goes back to what I was saying before about having a clear call to action, you know, get get people who are listening to try and go take their email address down somehow you know say you can either join a club for exclusive episodes that aren't on the podcast or it might be you know you know give give me your email address and you can subscribe sign up to my newsletter or you know i'll give you a free video course or whatever it might be but to have some kind of call to action where you can say anyone who's actually listening then you know say, send them to a simple web address that you can track so you can see the number of people that are coming to it and it doesn't take them ages or it's not really complicated to type out um, 
uh, you know, just register a domain name just for that. So, you know, jameses.podcast.com or whatever. Um, and, you know, give them an incentive to, to, to actually get encourage them to go onto that site and type that email in. So then, you know, that person's listening. When you are growing your personal brand, James, where do you keep your, where's your main hub? Do you, uh, do you t hope your audience goes on your website? Do you hope that you keep them all on LinkedIn? Do you drive them to the email list? Where do you hope them to channel? What's your, what would be the main place you would prefer your, your audience to hang out? Well, that's an interesting question because as I say, I think it is spread out. I think there isn't just one place that you go get people to subscribe to. Yeah, I've got a website, you know, so my site's jamesm.com. And if you go to jamesm.com slash connect, I've got like a link, a list of um, all my social media links on there. So, you know, again, when I go on a podcast and speak on someone else's podcast, it's an easy URL to read out and, and type in. Um, but, you know, I think it's about, again, different forms of content for different types of your audience. The personal brand also is about driving traffic to my main company. So uh, radio.co, podcast.co, matchmaker.fm are three different um, brands that I run. So most of the content I'm putting out is either relating to radio, podcasting, building an audience or, you know, connecting podcasters and guests, which is what Matchmaker does. Um, so it's, it's really just a case of, you know, sometimes people like to buy from people versus buying from a brand. So we have social media channels. We have content underneath these three brands as well. But as James, I'm starting to push out more and more content, which is, you know, funneling people to, to these three brands, basically. But from the from the engagement perspective, where people have conversations and chats, mm. you'd say it will be LinkedIn for you. Yeah, I think LinkedIn's doing really well. I, I, you know, as I say, I'm paying more and more attention to it. Um, another benefit with with LinkedIn uh, and great way of engaging with people is doing live broadcasts. You know, it's a feature that's in beta. I've been lucky enough to have access to it for probably about six months now. So I have like a weekly live uh, stream called Working Lunch. Every single Wednesday, different guests talk about business. Um, I kind of, I did it solid for about four months, had a little month or two break, and I've just started it up again recently. And again, it's great to encourage conversation. You know, because you're live, you can take questions and you can answer people on the fly. Um, and I think that's really powerful in the sense that, you know, if you answer people's questions there and then, it makes them feel special, right? It makes them feel like they're engaged with what's going on. And again, that's kind of one of the benefits to doing stuff live versus pre-recording. You've got that element of communication, that element of real-timeness to, to what you're doing. Yeah, it's super engaging. It really, really is. Mm. Why don't we talk about uh, Matchmaker? Because um, anybody mm -hmm. who runs a podcast, uh, primarily, they always have a challenge like, how the hell do I find the guest? It's difficult. Yeah. You know, you, where, where are you going to go? You hit them on LinkedIn. You find their cold email. You try to chase them at the conference. There are all sorts of ways to do it. Let's talk about Matchmaker. How do you do it? What's the concept behind it? How do this whole thing works? Mm. Well, I mean, I'll sort of give you a little bit of background. So it was probably about June, May, June last year, 2019. We were, we just launched podcast.co. We wanted to create a funnel because obviously we, we knew a lot of podcasts are based on having guests on, doing interviews, that type of thing. So we created a couple of landing pages on the podcast.co site, which were like, you know, if you're looking for interesting guests, please complete this form. And the other one was like, if you're looking for interesting, um, if you're looking to get booked on podcasts as a guest, please complete this form. So we have these two Google forms up, which effectively were like creating a profile for these people. So it was like, you know, what are your area of, areas of expertise? If you're a guest, you know, what, what could you bring to the table in terms of, um, you know, your experience, et cetera. And if you're a podcaster, it was like, what sort of guests are you looking for? You know, what, what kind of guests would you like on your show? 
And we noticed that more and more people were completing these, these uh, effectively these lead capture forms we've created, but we didn't actually have a platform to connect people. So we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we created that? So we kind of, um, initially we, we sat down with our designer and we just came up with a concept called Matchmaker and it, we sort of came up with the designs and initially we had like a Tinder style swipe left, swipe right thing. We thought that'd be quite fun. Um, I was just going to say, it sounds like a dating app. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. We've sort of built it as Tinder for podcasters. And um, we, we had these designs made. We didn't really do much with them until sort of the end of last year. And we thought, well, okay, let's actually try and build this thing. We've got enough. We've, we've got these leads through this, these forms. Um, and as I say, initially, it was really just a way of trying to sell them our podcasting platform. But we thought, let's, let's try and get a, a platform where we can actually connect these two groups of people together because we didn't have a way of connecting them. So we started creating the software um, we launched in February this year and it's grown pretty quickly. We've gone, um, I think we're up to nearly 8,000 users now. Um, and it's great to see that people are super engaged. So the, you know, the premise is really simple. It's just like, if you're looking for guests for your podcast, or, you know, if you want to be booked on podcasts, share your expertise and, and kind of grow your personal brand and register on the site, the, the way it's free to sign up. Um, you can connect just using your LinkedIn or Facebook profile, et cetera. And, you know, you can be up and running in minutes. And sometimes, you know, I have people messaging me saying, thanks for the recommendation. I've already got like five new guests on my show, or I've already been booked onto five different podcasts as a guest. So and when it's, you, it's coming along nicely. And when you, James, so you sign up, you create a profile, mm -hmm. and then what happens from there? You just uh, browse, you, you get a chance to just pick the guests that you prefer, or, and if they're interested as well, then you'll, uh, you'll have a chance to connect. Yeah, absolutely. There's a messaging tool. So you just, uh, it's just like using a chat feature really. So, you, you know, you can browse guests based on various different filters. So the category, which is, um, they're all based on like podcast categories. Um, interestingly, we've had quite a few people say to us, the categories aren't granular enough. So we might kind of revise that at some point, but currently we were like, okay, well, we're just going to copy the Apple, Apple categories because most people's mm -hmm. podcasts are under one of these categories anyway. Um, so you can filter based on category, as obviously a search tool, you can type in certain keywords. Um, you can also filter based on location. So obviously at the moment, most people are doing, you know, interviews remotely, but sometimes people prefer to actually do face to face interviews. So you can actually find people in your local area as well uh, with the, with those areas of expertise. Um, and I think as a podcaster, you know, it just makes it super simple to really choose who you're interviewing and choose the story that you're going to tell. Like, you know, if you want to find an expert on email marketing, for example, or you want to find an expert on selling via webinars, you can go on there, you can find that person who otherwise might be quite difficult to find. And I suppose the benefit to the platform is that, you know, that person's interested in being on a podcast. So, you, you know, it kind of, it takes down those barriers, that, that friction that you might have when you kind of contacting people elsewhere, or you might just never hear back from people. Um, so I think that's kind of why it's been, been quite successful. What I've seen with finding guests for me, sometimes the challenge wasn't <clears throat> that they don't respond is mm -hmm. like, who are you interviewing? Who are you trying to find? Right? So you have an idea, let's say you want to interview certain marketers, or you want to interview content creators in video, mm -hmm. or you want to interview podcasts, well, podcasters, maybe it's easier to find, but like you want to interview a certain category of people. How do you, where do you find them? Where do you find these folks who are interested and have something mm -hmm. cool to say? That is always a challenge because there isn't a platform. And I spoke to people who are running the shows. They're like, oh, I go to the conference. I see the speakers yep. or I go to uh, a meetup and I look at people who are attending. So there's, n there's no one specific way to do it. And Facebook groups 
are growing pretty quickly for I'll guess for that podcast, for example, mm -hmm. type of groups. So I think it's interesting that you're kind of like putting it all in one place. Yeah, it was, it was, the idea was it's kind of a community combined with a platform. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've got lots of ideas as well. Uh, you know, as I say, we're sort of in a pre-revenue phase at the moment. It's completely free. I think we're going to switch to a freemium model later in the year. Uh, again, one of the things we've had requests for is agencies who want to create bookings for their clients. So they might manage, say, you know, it could be a PR or an influencer marketing company uh, or marketing agency, and they're looking to, to you know, get, get their clients booked onto podcasts. So we're going to be introducing functionality like that in future as well. Um, we've recently just rolled out the ability to record like video pitches, which makes, again, makes it a bit more exciting. So you can, if you're looking for a guest, um, you know, we want you to actually be able to see what they sort of sound here and how they come across effectively on camera, you know, so it's quite a fun. So that's a feature. cool feature. Yeah. It's like, so you have one minute to pitch yourself as a guest. I like that. That's, that's very helpful, especially, yeah. especially for the podcast. You, I'm sure you had the experience, like, uh, you think the guest is a certain way then you have them on the show and you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, another thing which, you know, you'll understand as a podcast, it's really good when you get a guest and they have a decent setup because you, the last thing you want is a guest where they've got a really poor internet connection or, you know, they sound like they're all the way, all the way over here, you know, and, and it just, it kind of just doesn't go for the good listening. So that's another you know thing you can actually filter based on the quality of equipment they have. So they can choose whether or not they've got like a USB microphone or a studio quality mic. Um, cause again, I just think just little things like that make it, make the difference between a good interview and a really great interview. It makes a massive difference. I think I've heard it. I think it was an NPR who said, mm. um, they actually send an engineer to the guest home to, so wow. he sets up everything. And so they sound great. I'm like, that is a cool approach. <laughs> that, yeah. If you've got the budget to do that, then why not? You know, but I think that, you know, more and more people are aware of the fact that these days, you know, especially given the fact that everyone's working remotely at the moment, um, you know, having a, a bare minimum of going out and buying a decent quality microphone that you can connect via USB, it's just going to make you sound 10 times better than relying on the one, the little microphone that's built into your phone or your laptop where you just sound like you know, you're on the, in a tin can. For podcasters, James, for those people who are doing shows right now, what should they start doing that they're not doing right now? And that could be related to maybe doing more episodes, maybe doing different type of promotions they're not doing. Maybe it's related to announcing upcoming episodes, something that you would recommend them do actionable that they should be, they should start I, executing. I think it just goes back to what I was saying before about encouraging discussion, encouraging people to get in touch and trying to get people's opinions on, on an episode. I don't hear that very often. And I think, uh, this is one of the things that YouTubers are really good at, right? Every single YouTube video, they're always like, please write a comment below. Tell me what you think, or they'll specifically ask your question. Now, obviously you can't write comments on podcasting platforms, which is kind of annoying, but you know, I think trying to encourage that discussion is still healthy. So whether or not it's just having a special email address that people can send their thoughts to and then giving them a shout out in the next episode, but getting that sense of community going, I think is, is something that, you know, I've noticed it, it, it's good. And, 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 but then still, I don't think that many podcasters that do that. YouTube is really good at it though, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, it, it's a challenge. Uh, it's just like having the, those comments, it, it's, it makes it hard, but then that makes it for the most engaging episodes. 
Um, it's also like having the, the call to action that doesn't introduce too much friction to your mm -hmm. guest, depending on how many you have. If you have like a hundred people and then you want them to go and fill out another form on the website, like most of them will never do that versus like you, if you are trying to make it something simpler, like, hey, just uh, click in the show notes and in show notes, you click on the link and it already pre-fills it with, it with something like I'm interested in X, Y, Z. So that's just a little bit easier, right? Yeah. I mean, you could always have um, set up a Facebook group or you could do a Slack channel or, you know, there's all these various different tools now for like creating your own communities outside of outside of platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, so again, you know, I think like you say, it does, depends on the size of your audience, but definitely encouraging that sense of community, I think is something that's really important. What about should they stop doing any things that should they stop thinking about, worrying about, obsessing about? Well, um, one of my sort of uh, pet peeves, I can answer that straight away, is when people are asking for five-star reviews, like partly the problem is, the, again, the reviews are only on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, there's no reviews yet, I don't think, on Spotify. There's no reviews on Google. But it just it just becomes like a constant nag that people are saying, oh, write review, write review, you know. I, okay, I get that it probably helps with the algorithms, etc. Well, I just find it irritating, <laughs> to be honest with you. That's kind of like one thing that annoys me. Or it's just a, bad quality audio, you know? It's like uh, when you watch uh, those YouTube videos and a lot of them would have Squarespace commercial where they're like, yes. oh, this video is sponsored by Squarespace. And some people will say, by the way, this website was built on Squarespace and here's why it's so cool. So some of them have a little bit of a more natural way to integrate the ad. It's still annoying, mm. but you know, it, it's, it's slightly better uh, that there's definitely, it's definitely a problem. I agree. Mm. James, any final messages to the audience that you'd like to leave them with? Anything we have missed and have not touched on today? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, just as a sort of way of encouraging people, I think if you're thinking about starting a podcast for your business, you know, now is still a good time to do so. Um, the number of podcasts that, that are around have grown significantly over the past year. That's only going to continue to increase. Um, but if you compare it to the number of, the number of say, in active YouTube channels or number of active Instagram accounts, it's still a tiny number. So there's still lots of opportunity there. So yeah, just to finish up with, I just think if you're thinking about starting, a lot of people will hold off. There's a lot of ifs and buts and they're kind of scared. Um, we've got a great little course, which is free, which you can go to podcast.co slash crash course, um, which will just talk you through the basics of getting a podcast up, uh, up and running. And we'll link it in the show notes. So uh, you guys can go check it out. Yep. Where's everybody can find you online, James? Sure. So um, if you want to check my social profiles, if you go to jamesm.com slash connect, uh, that's jamesm.com slash connect, uh, you'll find, find me on there. Uh, and also matchmaker.fm if you haven't checked it out already. It's completely free to sign up. Great way to get experiences being a guest on other people's podcasts. I'll be checking it out as well. James, it was a pleasure. Super fun. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Sergi. Yeah.